everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the new episode of the Dakota Boys Talk Movies. We actually uh, have a confession to make. We we started this episode and then Dakota had an epiphany, as he put it, that maybe since we're doing this episode here where it's movies that are labeled as scary movies that we don't think are that scary, that to be fair, we should pick movies that were made in a, like for our time. Because we realized we were picking these movies that were like, well, are they not scary because they're, you know, they're a little older now. They're more, they're they're so familiar that the that the scariness is gone, or they've had so many sequels it's become a joke. And so it's kind of those things where like, it's a valid point. It was a good epiphany <laughs> where it's like, yeah, we probably should pick movies that are like they're supposed to be scary now. Yeah, because I think I think if I had like say a child that was like six years old, I'd probably be okay with letting them watch the old school Dracula, Wolfman. Uh, sure. Yeah. And those were those were like movies that were terrifying adults back, which in, were back in the yeah day. people were emptying bowels at the drive-ins. Yes, I see. Yep. Well, and, and we even were talking about Psycho because. I like the movie Psycho, but I don't consider it a scary movie. But maybe some of the reason I don't consider it scary is that I was watching it knowing the tropes, you know, and I'm just appreciating it as a great cinematic experience and not so much for the the surprise of the chills that it would have brought in its time when it was fresh. And so, yeah, there's just kind of things like that you gotta got to weigh into this. So these are movies that... Uh, we just kind of picked more ones that have been done uh, all in the 2000s, I believe. Yeah, we tried to stay even that you know even that recent where we didn't even we didn't even go into the 90s, but tried to stay with this, uh, stay within this this time here of movies that were made for us for our generation. I suppose. I suppose if we had probably one I would have picked was would be Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula. I, I never really thought that was much of a horror movie, but it was kind of a big deal. Yeah, it, you know, and there are old ones that are scary, like uh, the one that was a Dracula movie, but they couldn't call it a Dracula movie, not, not, uh, Nosferatu. Yeah. That's actually creepy. That is still scary to this Still day. frightening. <laughs> so there are ones where just because it's old doesn't mean it can't be scary either. Uh, um, and, and, you know, and, and just the idea of what is scary. Is scary where it's just gross with gore? Or is scary where it's actually like you are clawing your chair because it's so tense with fear, you know? And so, um, to me, a scary movie is the clenching, you know, like not just that gross gore. Like, that's not scary. That's just gross. Yeah. I don't don't know why people, I mean, there's one of the movies I was going to talk about, you know, before we, we, we kind of pump the brakes on everything or like let's rethink this whole thing was uh dawn of the dead sure the original one yeah like that one at the time people one one of the complaints that people had was like oh it's too gory it's way too gory like oh my gosh i can't watch it i can't watch it mm-hmm. and it's like now it's it actually seems pretty tame yeah like the gore i mean the blood looks kind of cartoony and, you know, but the effects have still kind of held up a little bit. Yeah. Which is why when Zack Snyder redid it in, like, 2004, uh, 
it was considered kind of like, because he, he tried to up the ante on those things like that one did in its generation. Yeah. Where they're like, oh, it's too, it's too this or too that and things like that. Um, and, and again, the things that everybody's worried about was how gross it was going to be more so than scary. And so it's kind of interesting how, how horror is very, is a very nuanced genre in that there's, there's gross horror movies. There's feet like actual fear, scary horror movies. And then there's kind of all these other like offshoots where they're kind of mixed in with other types of things like uh, whatever you want to call them. Like the ones that kind of delve into sci-fi or whatever it happens to yeah. be. And so it is It is kind of a nuanced genre um, that things like the parody movies, like Scary Movie, have have made feel not so nuanced. But it really is. <laughs> it's it. it and you you can really use it to touch on a lot of different things and to talk about a lot of different things. And maybe some of the movies we're going to be talking about today even tried to do that a little bit. So let's go ahead and get into our, our picks. We're each going to do just a couple that we think are, you know, maybe, you know, we'll, we'll maybe talk about whether we think they're still good or not, but are they actually scary like they're marketed to be? So Dakota, what's your, what's your first one? All right. Well, I am going to start off with one that many people consider a really good film. Would you be in that category? Do you still think it's a good movie? It's a well-made film. Okay. I'm referring to The Hours with Nicole Kidman. Oh, The Others. The Others. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Did I just say The Hours? At first, I was like, the, uh, that was another Nicole Kidman movie. <laughs> That where she played Virginia Woolf. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, folks. I'm confusing my yeah. Nicole Kidman movies. Yeah, uh, the others. Yes, the others. Did that come out in 2000 or was it 2001? I know it was right there at the, like kind of that new millennium. I want to say it was 2001. I suppose it would have had to have been because uh, Sixth Sense <laughs> would have been 99. Yeah, and this was kind of in that vein a little I, bit. I've always felt this movie was kind of created basically to piggyback off Shyamalan. Uh, it even had a twist. And the twist is actually pretty pretty good. It's not like, oh, it came out of like left field, man. Yeah. It was, didn't apply to the movie at all. Like, UFO came down and... No, like, <laughs> no, I mean, like you said, it's a, it's a well-executed movie. You know, and like, yeah, like maybe the twist even does does work. But yeah, what, what, why don't you just kind of walk us through a little bit of the story and where you think people maybe, th- why they think it is scary. Oh, the story. There's actually, that's the thing. There's not a real story in this. Not much that I remember. And it seems like whoever, I don't even know who wrote the screenplay for this, but it seemed like when they sat down, with the idea to write this script, they probably had a bunch of loose ideas on kind of how to weave everything together. But one of the issues I always had with this film is that it seems kind of like it doesn't really go anywhere. It was written and directed by the same guy. It looks like he was possibly a foreigner. Uh, He... Alejandro Amanyabar. <laughs> and it looks like he he does a lot. Like, this must have been maybe one of his American 
movies that he did. Oh, okay. Because I know Tom Cruise produced this because it was when they were married. Ah. Not not him and Alejandro, <laughs> yeah. but Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. Steven, I'm tired of you implying <laughs> Tom Cruise is gay. How dare you? It's funny. That's the second time that's come up today. Someone at work was talking about that. <laughs> Shame on you, Steven. Oh, man. Even if it's possibly true. Oh, my gosh, Dakota. What do you say? Anyway. Yes. Anyway. Okay. So basically what happens is this lady is living in this house with her two children. Um, your usual kind of paranormal telltale signs uh, that the house is haunted kind of start to happen. Um if I remember correctly, one of the one of the big things of the movie is like the servants disappear, right? And they're kind of replaced by these other people, and these other people are just really shady. They kind of just add to the whole something's not right here. This movie, by the way, takes place, I believe, during World War One, a civil war, wasn't it? Civil war. Whoa! I thought it was. Does this movie take place in like Great Britain or something? We are we are so on top of this. It's, <laughs> it's just amazing. Oh, I have not seen this movie probably in a decade, folks. I apologize. Um, but to kind of bring everything back, I just remember that one of the other things that's going on is her kids don't go outside. They have like, it's not agoraphobia, but they're like sensitive to the sun. Is what yeah. they always say to keep them inside and things like that. Yeah, but and so it brings more of the tension of like they can't leave this house, type thing. Um, yeah, I swear it's World War One because it could be her husband in the movie. Her husband does come back, and he's, you know, the British military uniforms like brown. In both World War Twos are both World Wars, so it's kind of that's probably why it's kind of fuzzy to remember which one he was fighting in. Yeah, he returns briefly from the war, and then of course has to leave again, but. This movie was so just slow and plotting, and it took its time trying to basically tell you this story, and I didn't really find it all that intriguing, and I kind of felt like Nicole Kidman was maybe trying to, she was like trying to act like she was hysterical but not that she really was i guess that's kind of a problem i always had with the film uh i know nicole kidman's actually a very good actress but i just kind of felt like i didn't buy what she was selling is the thing um should we do i spoil this movie i think i think these movies (laughs) is pretty safe to spoil just because they're old enough but yeah it is i know what you mean it feels like this movie is just a series of vin- tension vignettes. Yes. Like, yes. like, we'll just plod for a while till we have this next part where she's going to walk really slowly towards something. Or, you know, it'll it just be like things like that. And so because of that, you're like, you're just kind of relieved something's happening. <laughs> you know, I'm actually probably going to get... Then, and then you're just kind of sitting there like taking bets on if you think it's going to be a red herring or not. <laughs> I'm probably going to get some hate here. But this movie's probably comparable to The Shining, the book. Okay, the Sh- yeah, I never read that. Okay, so. it's The Shining, the book, and the movie are two two very different things. They have a lot of things in common, 
but they are not the same thing. The movie, I kind of put up there on a pedestal. The book, not so much. And that's basically because there's like pages and pages and pages of nothing going on. <laughs> like pages, like probably That's like, kind of a Stephen King trope, though, isn't it? <laughs> like yeah, Sometimes he can linger in pointless things. Yeah, and it really shows when they did the TV remake of The Shining because it's just like nothing scary happening <laughs> and when something quote unquote scary does happening it's not that scary it's like oh there wasn't even like a build up to this scary thing <laughs> the scary thing itself wasn't scary and so you're saying that the others makes that mistake then yes yeah okay it doesn't really there's like the tension you you could probably like cut it with your finger in this movie <laughs> like that's how light it is you could blow on it <laughs> okay just yeah tension be gone well it, and they were trying to and i feel like the other way this played off that six sense thing is they were trying to make you be like freaked out by the kids yeah and uh and they just they just weren't haley joe osmond like you know just the way i'm not you know whatever you feel about i'm not M. Night Shyamalan, if you go back and watch Sixth Sense, even knowing the twist of that movie, it's a well-made movie. And Haley Joel Osment, you really buy him, you know. And, and this one is like, this doesn't... But yeah, why don't you just go ahead and go into... You have all... You're, we're going through this whole thing. You think this whole haunted house thing is happening. And then what happens? At the very end, you find out that the servants, the mom, the kids... They're actually dead. They're the ones haunting the house. Yes. And then <laughs> you realize the movie comes into that it's in modern day. These people are moving out of it, this house, because it's so scary. And my takeaway from this film is like, what what were these people seeing that caused them to leave? Because the ghosts themselves aren't up to anything like crazy. They're not like no. throwing pots. I think you... What I always thought was like you're allowed to believe is it, there's kind of the twist is that you think that the the other the that the others are the ghosts whereas the others are real people and then you know they're the ghosts yeah and so I think why those people are leaving is that just the, the fact that the ghosts are moving around doing things is freaking out the people like there's things that are moving and things that are making noise and we're not doing it you know that's pretty weak. Right, but I'm just saying, if that happened to you in reality, it'd be kind of freaky, right? Yeah. So there you go. I mean, but if I was... But that's why when you see it from that side, they thought it would work. I don't know. I guess I guess the Amityville horrors kind of set that bar and the Shining hor- oh, okay, yeah. haunted house hotel-wise. Like, yeah, I mean, those are the, the, def- like, yeah, the extreme what can happen movies. Little girls talking to a giant pig with glowing red eyes, you know... <laughs> People are in the house that shouldn't be in the house. You know, that that sort of yeah, thing. Open a door and blood just pours out. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. Like, genuinely horrifying things. <laughs> not like, oh, I saw a little girl playing in her room with dolls. We need to get out of here. <laughs> well, she was under a sheet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, yeah. All right, Steven. What do you got for it us, is, man? Uh, the, yeah, you're right, though. That movie is just, like, well-made, but just like, mm. But, Yes. That movie uh, is a slow drive in the country on a, on a rainy day. That's what it is. My first 
my first pick is one. It came out when we we were in late high school, and everybody was talking about it like, oh, it's the scariest movie. Oh, it's so scary. Um, you, you just like after you see it, you're just you have to change your pants. All this stuff. And I remember looking and seeing it was PG thirteen, and I'm like, I'm like, well, okay, I'm not gonna hold that against it because that you know, again, scary has nothing to do with how violent or gory you are. So it's like, but you know, usually sometimes movies become R just because of terror. Very true. And so I'm like, oh, well, okay, you know, it doesn't mean anything. But then you you watch it and it thing I don't. It's the ring. The two the two thousand two one that kinda kicked off Naomi Watts's not Naomi Watts' career, but kinda got people to know who she was and got her into more and more bigger movies. And including the sequel to this, The Ring Two. And uh it, the the basic plot line is some of you may know because they're rebooting it, is there's this haunted videotape that just has a bunch of weird images. But if you watch it, you get a phone call, and in seven days you die, is is what happens. And uh, this woman is, Naomi Watts' character is basically trying to, is she a reporter? Yeah, she was a reporter. Yeah, she's like a reporter. She's trying to figure, I was trying to remember what her drive was to figure out the mystery of this thing. But yeah, it was, she had a, uh, had some people in her life that were affected by it, so she decides she's going to solve the mystery of it. But, you know, of course, through shenanigans and serious circumstances, through trying to figure out the mystery of it, not only does she watch the video, but her, her into the movie, her little son ends up watching it. And so it becomes even more of a drive to figure this out, uh, why why this video is haunted, what the whole story is behind this girl, Samara, that keeps coming up with it. And so it really ends up just becoming more of like kind of a a mystery thriller. And and I guess even when you add on what was supposed to be scary in it, it, it really isn't scary. It's more just like something you've never seen before, but I, I didn't really find it scary where the the girl who's haunting these videos, she died at the bottom of a well, and so she's just this ghost that's always wet. <laughs> And so you're just kind of scared by dripping water off a girl, but then they have her crawl funny out of TVs, <laughs> things like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't know. There. There wasn't. Again, this was more just like. I feel like this is in that vein of where it was like more of just like a mystery thriller, but I never got the whole. I'm not gonna sleep for a few weeks now because I watched that movie. Um, which is what I feel like was happening so much with everyone who saw this movie. Like, oh, it's so and people were going back. It, I remember, do you remember Dakota? This was in the theaters for forever. Yeah, it was. People, this, people were going to it again. This movie had a lot of word of mouth. A lot of word of mouth, and it had traction. Like, it just went. That's actually how I got suckered in. I was told by so many freaking people. Oh wow! This is like the scariest film I think I've ever seen, and it was like I was actually so worried about it. I um, decided not to take uh, my younger brother with me. Like my younger brother was kind of traumatized by 
we watched The Exorcist one time when we were home alone, and that freaked him out because he was like, got to turn on all the lights in the house now. <laughs> and I was like, all right, just chill out, man. <laughs> uh, so I basically went to the movies with, without him, even though he was like, he was like the wingman I went to the movies with. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and I was, I left the theater kind of thinking to myself, ah, never going to get that five bucks back. <laughs> never going to get it back. That was when a $5 movie was expensive. When yes. $5 to go to a movie is expensive. But yeah, it was just, I don't know. And again, like, I thought the way it was filmed was interesting. Some of the, you know, like the whole cinematography, it was a very, they did that thing where, uh, in the early 2000s, it was like that thing to do for a while. Was it like where it had that grainy, very gray? Is What did they call it? Is that sat- saturation? Yeah. It had like a saturated image. I don't know what that's called where it's like everything is very like pa- more paley like and blues or something. Yeah, more. with all the muted colors and tones. Yeah, like the muted to- like my like Minority Report was like that way at this time and uh, where it's like you really you feel the blues so much or something cause it's like the muted tones uh it so it kind of had that look too it so it just gave it kind of more of that moody atmospheric look and uh and uh this movie also i think kind of put director gore verbinski kind of on people's radars also who went on to do uh the pirates of the caribbean movies well the the first 3 <laughs> not the other two man there's been 5 of those uh and so it probably helped him kind of kick off doing those. And he also did Rango. I know there's a lot of Rango fans out there. Woohoo! Not even being sarcastic, there are a lot of Rango <laughs> fans. So uh, that but was yeah. A- it just uh, I don't know the ring. I don't know. And and then here they apparently the original Asian one is supposed to be really scary, uh, but that's probably just because it's Asian made. And I don't know. Asians are just scary. So <laughs> they're all those are always scarier. It seems like. Uh, and then this ended up kicking off, like, not only all these ring movies rapping, but The Grudge probably happened because the, they started bringing over all these other Japanese movies and making American versions of them, too, where it's like, oh, no. And then The Grudge got a sequel. and <laughs> Yeah, it was it was kind of an interesting time. I know some people were really excited that, oh, we're bringing these Japanese over movies over and we're making them. Yeah. And I just thought that was really unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, and even in, and then in the case of The Grudge, they even got the same director to come do the American version. Yeah. And it's just like uh Americans just don't like subtitles. That's all there is to it. <laughs> they 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 got to see an American version. It's got to be if it's not Sarah Michelle Gellar, I'm not going. Oh man. Well, anyway, so that's that's how my first one is The Ring. So come fight me. So <laughs> Dakota, what's oh, your? Oh man, what's your what's your next one? I'm sorry, you brought up all these. You brought up all these feelings, man. <laughs> okay. Well, the second pick I have is actually a really recent movie. Actually, I think it's. I think it has to be over a year old, year and a half. Well, it had a sequel, so it's probably three. no three years. I guess yeah, it's probably like three years old, something like that. Yeah. Ah, uh, seems doesn't seem that long ago. Um, my pick is Ouija, and what can I say about this film? <laughs> well, it's based off of the board game, <laughs> like and, like Battleship, which was another good movie. 
I find it interesting that people refer to the Ouija board as a board game. Like, there's winners and losers. <laughs> like, the winners don't get possessed by demons or their house isn't haunted afterwards. <laughs> and the losers, well, their their lives turn into a horror movie, I guess. <laughs> Uh, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how that. Yeah. So, what what exactly is the story of this? Oh, good lord. Um. Well, at the start of the movie, this girl is using a uh, Ouija board to talk to. I don't even remember who she's supposed to be talking to, but it's somebody who's dead. She tries to say goodbye to her best friend. Ah. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> But uh, this girl is talking to somebody on the other side who is basically dead. And there are rules to actually using the Ouija board. Apparently, one of the things you're supposed to do is when you get done using this thing, you're supposed to tell the spirits goodbye. Or they just stay or what? Exactly. (laughs) Okay. Well, apparently something goes amiss. I'm not messing with a Ouija board. I'll just oh, throw that out there. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> I am never. In a little historical note, the guy who actually uh, first started selling Ouija boards, he was actually killed. In like, an I, I, uh, Like a mysterious death or what? Oh, uh, they were building the factory <laughs> that he was going to be using to produce these boards, and he was actually killed at while they were building the factory. Ooh. I'll have to look for the guy's name. I don't have it on me. Sorry, guys. But just a little little, little bit of trivia there for you. Well, you guys are just going to be so ready for Jeopardy after listening <laughs> to our show. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, this, this movie, it's kind of like the girls' friends basically coming together, finding out what happened. Um, basically, these friends kind of open up a doorway and let something not of this world in kind of like an evil spirit. Uh, I know this sounds very cheesy. It's a very kind of by the numbers movie that's just holds absolutely no surprises. There's like no twists, turns that you don't see coming. Um, the teens kind of slowly are terrorized by this other spirit and some of them start getting bumped off. Well, the movie kind of progresses, progresses, and you find out this spirit uh, was actually a girl uh, who in life was a f- uh, really accomplished user of the Ouija board, which I... She's a pro pro Ouija. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Like like if she could, she would have been streaming her her Ouija board sessions. That's how good she was. Wow. Like she could actually talk to people, and people would uh, pay to come and sit down with her, and she'd use the board. Um, she was killed, unfortunately. So was her mother, and her sister is actually alive and she's in a sanitarium uh the main character kind of goes talks with her um and i believe it's kind of come to the understanding that the only way to stop this this whole madness and death 
is they have to go into her house, find out where her body is, and they have to burn it. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's kind of not really, not that really of an enthralling story. It To me, this kind of seemed like an episode of Supernatural, but without the Winchester brothers. Like, the, the quote-unquote chills and moments of terror were actually just really kind of cheap jump scares that you could have seen coming a mile off. And I don't think there was a point in this whole movie where I was legitimately terrified. And I kind of just left the theater like, hmm, that was a film. (laughs) Okay. But I didn't, I went home, went about my day. I think I fell asleep a little early last night. Didn't have any nightmares. Kind of didn't really think of the movie after that, other than I think I read in the newspaper that kind of it made a certain amount of money, and it somehow warranted a sequel. Uh, the sequel is actually legitimately scary. Yeah, well, that's so that's what I was gonna get because the 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 next one they made is actually a prequel. Yes. So is it the story of what you're talking like? Yeah, it's the story of the little girl, the little girl who there that. Because it's called Origin of Evil, so yeah. I'm assuming it's... Okay. So is this one of the first times where the first one has a 6% on Rotten Tomatoes? <laughs> to, and then all of a sudden have the second one have an 82% on Rotten Tomatoes? Yes. That's very... a huge jump. And it basically has the director. Uh, it was not the same director on both films. Um, the first guy kind of just... I don't know. The only other movie I could kind of compare this to is Annabelle. Where the movies kind of just, it has a really scary premise, but it was like in the execution of the film, <laughs> everything was just lacking, and it kind of just left you like, well, that ended, all right then, I guess, <laughs> I, um, yeah. Yeah, and then they made an Annabelle creation, and then wasn't that better too? That was way better. And Isn't I just, that weird how that keeps happening with these horror movies these days? And they're making Annabelle 3 right now, and it's like, oh boy, where's that going? (laughs) Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, this is, like, I don't even know. Maybe you could show this to, like, some 10, 11-year-olds to get, maybe? Is is Ouija rated R? I don't think it was. I don't don't think there's any. Let's see. No, they're PG-13. Yeah. And Origin of Evil is also PG-13. So it does help bring in those teeny boppers when you do that. So that's probably why it warrants a sequel, because they know they have a certain built-in audience when you make a spooky movie that's PG-13. Yeah. But if you, yeah, I just, I don't see how anyone could genuinely be as afraid of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I could I could probably watch it right now, dark, empty house on a, on a stormy night when the house is creaking and just not be <laughs> at any point in time thinking... Oh boy, I should stop this. <laughs> you know, I suppose I was just thinking too. I suppose the other reason these are PG thirteen is that Ouija's owned by Hasbro. Yeah, and Hasbro probably isn't necessarily wanting to do our movies with their products. Once again, I don't know why why this thing is considered a toy. <laughs> yeah, it, it it is weird how it's like 
Hasbro puts it out and like has it on toy store shelves. Yeah, for... you, you got to be twenty one to buy beer, eighteen to own a gun. But happy birthday! <laughs> Here's a Ouija board. <laughs> go, go. Uh, it just yeah. I just uh, just I, I. It's just not worth messing with, no matter what you believe. <laughs> another another little bit of uh, kind of history for you. The movie The Exorcist is actually okay. where, uh, after that, it was like a turning point. People started to view the Ouija board as actually being kind of evil. Oh. Because it's implied in the book and in the movie that her messing around with that spirit board is basically what caused her to get possessed. Oh, it it introduced the, the demon to her? Yeah, Pazuzu. Uh, interesting. Yeah, because before that it was like, hey, folks, let's sit around and see if we can talk to Grandpa. Huh. Yeah, well, there was a time that, like, in the 50s when seances were, like, in vogue. Yeah, even even in the 20s, I believe, they were yeah. kind of fashionable to go to. Well, I I, I don't know. I think I've brought this up on, on, this, on this podcast, but I'm a big fan of I Love Lucy. And there's even an episode of I Love Lucy called The Seance. And, really? And there's a guy who they, they sublet their apartment to who's really into spirit world stuff. And then they do a seance to try to, to get him out of their apartment quicker. So they like fake stuff or whatever. But I mean, the reason they're doing that is because it was in, you know, something that was in vogue at the time, like these seances thing, even though they joke with it, but it's like, yeah, there were people always kind of dabbling in this stuff, you know, but yeah, like you said, I mean, it goes back even before then to just tarot cards and things like that, where people are always kind of trying to dabble in that spirit world. Yeah. Things. And so, yeah, interesting stuff, but but sometimes not that scary of an execution. So, uh, yeah my my last my last one here it's uh, uh, based on a Stephen King work, done by someone who had done a couple other Stephen King works into movies and had great. Well, <laughs> one of them was well they were both kind of like not huge success at the time, but gained steam as time went on. Uh, but this one was kind of his, the third and kind of didn't do as well one for him. Uh, but many of you know Frank Darabont did Shawshank Redemption. And even though it was nominated for some Academy Awards at the time, wasn't really a hit, but became kind of a hit over time when people were like, oh, it's actually kind of a good story, feel good. Uh, get busy living, get busy dying, you know. And then he, Darabont... Came back Stephen King with the Green Mile once again. I think it did fair, like did okay, and then people kind of a lot of it got to it got a mo- movement where people liked it, and you know Tom Hanks. Everybody always loves Tom Hanks, <coughs> and then he came back to Stephen King one more time with The Mist, and I thought he had didn't he do Misery or am I thinking of someone else? No, Misery was Rob Reiner. Back, oh yes, back in the eighties. Yes, D- Darabont, no, he came on the scene with Shawshank. I thought that he had done one more, but I guess not. No, and then he went on, you know, and then he became the sh- the creator and showrunner of Walking Dead until he left the show. He left the show, like, I think after the first season. Uh, and w- I feel like we were talking about this, but The Mist is almost like a blueprint a little bit for what they did on The Walking Dead. Yes. Uh, it was kind of, it was kind of marketed as, like, this uh, terrifying, 
you know, this terrifying movie. And they really marketed it like, you will be scared. And you're not, really. Yeah, I you're, remember. You're, kind of, you're, you're in a grocery store with all these people. And so you're kind of, you know, it's like this. You, you, a lot of times those claustrophobic confined things can be scary. But it ends up going more the route of, I don't know, what it almost dabbles in like, social commentary and survivalist type things more with like in dealing with just uh, the nature of man. Yeah, that's I think that's kind of what Stephen King was going for. But the problem with Stephen King is he's his own worst enemy because the quote, I don't know if you could say villain because there's no real good guy, bad guy in this. But the the evil lady is kind of the most annoying person. (laughs) Yeah. Is kind of this this old testament Bible thumper that I don't know, just Yeah, a religious nut where everything she says sounds KJV and is a Bible or is a Bible quote. Yeah. Just just not likable at all. Because there's there is a scene where someone tries to reach out to her, she just is like Back away from me, ho Except yeah. she doesn't say that. But yeah, she it's and so it's I don't know because what what's going on is this this mist comes over this town, but within the mist are these creatures that are picking off people that are out there, and so they're trying to hole hole up in this uh, well, uh, conveniently a grocery store, which kind of helps them, I guess, have some have some certain amount of survival goods. But it gets to be a point where they're going to have to get out at some point, and are are going to be forced to have to get out, and. Uh, and you know what? So you have all you kind of set up this whole group of some interesting characters. Uh, the star of this was Thomas Jane, who has never been a great leading man, <laughs> really in anything. Uh, Deep Blue Sea, not a great leading man. Anyone could have done that. That's the sad part. I it, mean, yeah, I mean, it was pretty. Just he was there, and uh, had a record. And so in this, he's kind of. I mean, he's kind of playing more like a a dad role who ends up trying to kind of having to be like the, a leader. Uh, but there, there's just nothing about this movie that really makes it interesting or inter- it just it just kind of goes. It just, I remember thinking like some of the effects were good, you know, and maybe certain points where. Uh, like that, but overall, it was just it just ended up being kind of slow, and nothing really. There would just be like one moment of excitement, maybe, but just nothing over the whole. I'm gonna throw something in, just so the your your little thing. I thought, you know, the scene when they're in the back of the grocery store and they're trying to get the door open. Yeah, and the tentacle comes out, grabs the kid, and he's just drug off, and he's like crying begging for help yeah i honestly thought like if there was just more of the scenes like that it probably would have been like a genuine horror movie yeah if they would if he would have maybe been a little more dedicated to be like that and i feel like maybe that's how they were marketing it even but it was more just about the people being in the place trying not to kill each other yeah (laughs) which again is the Walking Dead half the time? Other people who are still alive are more the problem than the actual zombies. I think it's funny you bring that up because it is true. Because 
you know, early on part of the core group of people, they're just like, well, see ya, we're out. And at the end, you do kind of see him, and it's like, well, how did you survive? Of course, that those questions are never answered. It's just kind of, they survived somehow. I mean. Yeah. Yep. But, there, yeah, now that you say that, there are a whole lot of um, parallels between this and that. Maybe that's why Darabont chose The Walking Dead. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but this movie... I guess I never read the 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 story this is based on, but apparently this the story this is based on doesn't doesn't have a real ending, or it's kind of more open ended, and so Darabont made the decision to give this more of a a final conclusion, which is what brings you us to the very controversial <laughs> twist of an ending. I don't. Did you ever read the the actual story? I was told it's actually I tried to tried to find it. Uh, I couldn't find because it's not it's not a standalone story. It was kind of the thing is so short. It's with like a collection of other stories. Yeah, it's like a short story. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I was never able to read it. But from what I understand, the book ends with him basically driving off. And even Darabont talked about it. He's like, oh, his final thoughts are how many bullets he has in the gun. So, you know, with that, I just I just took that thought to its logical conclusion. Yeah. So what happens is, you know, they they, they get they're they're getting out in this vehicle, the handful of them that are left in this vehicle. And you get to see more of these like the bigger type creatures. And some of the, like and that was the thing, like some of those things are cool. Um, but it gets to this point where they're just they're out of gas, they're trapped, and Thomas Jane is sitting there and he has he has a gun and he's realizing he has enough to there's enough bullets to kill everyone except one person. And so since they've just come to the conclusion that they're gonna die one way or the other, and so he decides that he's just going to mercy kill everyone that's left and be the one who has to die the hard way, more or less. And this is kind of that very much of a, I don't know, you kind of go back and forth how you feel about it ending, but I mean, one of the people he kills is his own kid, and then after he does it, he's tormenting over it, and then the military comes down the road and are containing the problem. And so now he's going to just be alive having to deal with the fact of what he just did to those people when they were minutes away from being okay. So it's just kind of a kind of an interesting way to bring an end to this movie. But at the same time, you kind of go back and you're like, was this movie always meant to be more allegorical? You know, and it kind of feels like maybe that's what he was always trying to do is looking at because it feels like every moment in it was looking at how man reacts to these types of situations, you know? Yeah. Which is what really the seasons of the walking dead have always done too. It's like, how, how do people react in this situation or how do people with this personality react to people with this personality in this situation? And so it is, it is interesting now to think about this movie in light of him doing the walking dead, but it, 
I guess the big thing is was, this was marketed so much as a scary movie. Mostly as kind of like a monster movie, yeah, too. Yeah, like Darabont did the feel-good Stephen King's. Now he's going to scare your pants off. I just remember seeing all the things like that, and it was like, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't that scary. Um, and was it, what do you think, are any of the movies we talked about actually good movies? Uh... Like I said, the hours, incredibly. The others. The others, my <laughs> God. It was a well-made film. I have nothing against it. It's just, it's it's boring. I'm sorry. I, I really get no entertainment from it whatsoever. But it's not a bad movie. I wouldn't classify it as that. Sure. Ouija, yes. Ouija is a bad movie. <laughs> it's literally I, bad. I will put my stamp on it, F. F for Ouija. Yeah. Or Fuiji, since you're putting an F on it. I guess. Uh, yeah. I, and as far as, I guess, uh, my two, they're shot well, where they, they look nice, but I wouldn't watch them. <laughs> if you've never seen them, don't watch them. <laughs> wow. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, it's it's funny. I didn't, I didn't get to bring it up then, but... Uh, uh, I remember on the DVD for, um, oh really? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, what was your first movie, Stephen? Oh, The Ring. The Ring. I remember on the DVD for The Ring, you actually they did have like a little Easter egg back when they used to hide this stuff on DVDs, where you could just watch the video. Yeah, like the actual ring video you weren't supposed to watch. Yeah. And Gore Verbinski was basically like, it's it's just like a bunch of little small pieces shot by student filmmakers. It's nothing really to pay too much time. It's like, huh, okay. So like one of the key plot devices in your movie you think is... The main plot device in his movie, yeah, is just like a bunch of black and white little like videos of nothing <laughs> like why show it why show us at all then it's like you just needed filler and you're like what's the most student filmmaker thing i could do yeah well that's the thing i never understood how the what was actually on the video really correlated to the whole samara story because it was just like random weird images <laughs> And so I never kind of got, like, what's the correlation to this to the effect of Samara's death slash murder? <laughs> and so, yeah. It was, uh, Didn't make a lot of sense. And then no. I remember something in the movie was, wasn't it, uh, it's the last thing you'll see before you die, the ring. Yeah. And it's like, you do eventually see somebody get killed by her. Yeah. It's like, where was the ring? <laughs> Like he, I, yeah, I maybe think... you see it in your head because the ring was really just the silhouette of the top of the well. Yeah, <laughs> the light coming out of the top of the well. So, but in hindsight, yeah, that movie was just so dumb. Yeah, I can't believe people got shell shocked by that movie. Yeah, yeah, it really ruined some people for a while. It's kind of funny. <laughs> so, but yeah, so those are those are just some. Uh, you can fight us on them. That's fine. Where you can do that is on Facebook, the Dakota Boys Talk Movies. Um, well, let us know some ones you think uh, maybe are not that scary or ones you think uh, 
we should check out that maybe you don't think we have or something like that. Um, yeah, the, and like I said, we tried to stick to ones that were put out in our generation. But you're feel you're free. You know, you're welcome to share whichever ones you want to share with us. At those, we also hope you do take time to um, subscribe to us in one of those places because all that stuff just uh, well, first and foremost, just makes us feel good. It just it just peppins our pe- is it peppin? Can you pep in your day? It just peppers. Pep- it just peppers. It peppers our day. It peps our day to see you. Puts um, a little steam in our strides. That. Yeah, it just it just shows that you care, and we love that because we care that you care, and uh, and you should care that we care. I don't. Know. <laughs> if you also hate us, we're also okay with that. Yeah. Just tell us why. And, and and I think the best way to hate us is to like us. Is to like us on Facebook and subscribe to us because then you can tell us as often as you want how much you hate us. Just do it very <laughs> passive aggressively. We <laughs> yeah. love that. Oh, nothing better than passive-aggressive sarcasm. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All right. Well, we thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you had a good time talking movies because we love talking movies. So this is Steven. This is Dakota. See you later. Bye.